some degree because he wants us he wants us to love him he wants us to learn of him he wants us to worship him and praise him and thank him so in a way it looks as if those situations are God pointing in toward his heart because when we think of those kinds of things for for ourselves if I say I really hope you love me I'm, I'm, that's pointing to me. I'm wanting to receive something. <clears throat> if you really, really get to know Almighty God, you'll find out that, first of all, God has no need. No need. He is completely, totally self-contained. He is perfect in every way. He has no need. He does have desire. And um, has a lot to do when we'll get into, so I don't want to stomp on everything for next week when we get into creation. But, um, but God wants us to see, especially here as we look at his attributes, that his desires are still not selfish. His desires, again, point out, his desires are all toward us. Um, We'll start here. And for everybody that don't know where we are today, as we're still in lesson one, part two, uh, we got all the way through the first two headings there. God is a spirit being and God is holy. That's as far as we got last week. <laughs> but we had a good session, don't you think? Everybody think we had a good session last week? We had a good thing. Aside from the word Bible, what do we call this? Huh? God's Word. God's Word. Word of God. All right. Question is, why? Why? Why do we call it that? Come on. Why do we call it that? Because God breathes. That's right. It's God speaking to us. It's God's Word to us. Another why. When I was going through this, I was thinking about my oldest son, Tim. When he was a little boy, he went through a phase that I call the wise. His little brother didn't go through that as much, but I'm going to tell you what, Tim about drove me crazy. Why is that car blue? You know, I mean, he had just asked the silliest questions, but every time I turned around, he was going, why? Well, as an adult, it taught me something. 
every time I learn something about God, every time I pick up something new from this Bible, some new thought or revelation comes to me, my first inclination is to find out why. Why? Well, in taking a look at this book, the big why did God give us this book is because he's revealing himself to us. He wants us to know him. What does he say in, uh, it's, I'm look up this chapter and verse, it's uh, Jeremiah 9, 24. He says, let him, you don't have to go there, uh, but he, he just says there, it says, let him who glories, glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That's, that's truthfully the goal of this whole course, is to help us get to know God. Uh, so God gave us this word, this Bible, uh, to reveal himself to us. One of the things that I'd like to point out for you is that um, this is the only thing of its nature that has existed this many years. Anything else that dates back more than 3,000 years is made of stone or some other image that doesn't deteriorate, like our, the pyramids and things like that, that, that go back a lot further than the written word. Uh, but God's word has been preserved. Anything else, uh, there, is, there is certainly no book or anything of that nature that has existed this long. And again, why? I think it goes without saying firmly, but God's protected it. Lives, lives have been given and lost protecting this word of God. God has protected this word down through the ages. Obviously then it's really important to him that we have this word. He wants us to know him. So when we look at the attributes of God, we're going to kind of keep in mind that as we look at these things, that God's purpose in being these things is for you and me. His whole purpose is out. He's reaching out to us. There's other outs. He takes care of all of the animals. He takes care of our universe. Uh, he knows all of the stars and the names of them and all of their position, and he keeps everything working like clockwork and so forth. So God has other cares than just his human, although that we're the focal point. Um, but God is God, and he is almighty and omnipotent and omniscient, which we're fixing to look at. Uh, but he does it all and lets us know it all because he wants us to know him. All right, omnipresent. Let's take, let's take a look at this. Uh, meaning, of course, that God is everywhere. And he says, do not I fill heaven and earth in Jeremiah 23, 24. Uh, one of the things that... Uh, I picked up here is that God's omnipresent is not the presence of a part of God, but the whole of God in every place. 
It doesn't have to be a little part of him over here and a little part. The whole of God is everywhere at once. First uh, Kings 8.27 says, The heavens and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. His presence filled the whole universe and all of its parts. So then the other question that I'll ask here is, uh, why does he want us to know that? Or better question would be maybe, where is God right now? Huh? Yeah, he, well, yes. he's right here. See, we want, to, we want to try to always pull this thing down to personal. We want to make it personal. So where is God in your life? Right where you are. Every minute of every day, there's no place you can go where God isn't. That's right. And, and that can be good news and bad. I mean, where are you going to hide? <laughs> <laughs> but we need to always remember that we're never, no matter the circumstance, we are never out of the presence of God. He is everywhere. God has all knowledge, omniscience. And you'll notice that the word uh, omniscience has the word science in it, which is which is original Greek word for knowledge. Knowledge. <laughs> knows everything. Um, which also then means take it up to that little bit of that negative side and that is you can't put anything over on him. <laughs> you know, he knows he knows the lie you told. He knows the bad thought you're thinking. He knows any intention that you have that might not be godly. Uh, of course, he knows all of the opposites, too. But the important thing is for us to be able to grab the fact that God knows everything. Now, the big why out of both of these. Why would God want us to know that he knows everything and that he's everywhere he wants? Anybody got an answer? So we can keep them in our eyes and use them. And appreciate him. Appreciate him might be a good word. What would you say? Use him? Rely on him. Rely on him. That's maybe a better word. <laughs> I think we can use him, but I think we yeah. need to be... Not use him as in a bad way. Use yeah, right. As a uh, but that's, that's at the crux of the matter. God reveals these things to us so that we can know. We can know that he knows everything. So... Let's take it to the other side of the coin and let's say that something's hurt you very deep. You know, somebody's rejected you. Now, that's a powerful feeling when you feel rejected by someone. Or you've lost someone. Praise God oh. you didn't lose any of your children, are you? But, but those are deep hurts, deep pain. God wants us to know that he's there, that he knows how you feel. He knows everything. There's not a thought going through your head that he's not aware of. There's not a feeling that you're having that God's not aware of. And because he's love, and we're going to get over to that in a second as the, the, the word, but it all comes down to love. All of everything that God is can be summed up in the one word, love. And so when you're feeling those deep hurt feelings, uh, just know that God knows it. 
and that God loves you and, and is seeking the best for you. Okay, let's turn the page. I have, I haven't gotten them typed up onto a sheet of paper that I can actually just give out to everybody right at the moment. But I, um, for each of these attributes, I have lists of scriptures that refer to them. If anybody like you in this, God is all powerful, omnipotent. Um, I've got a, a list of scriptures that point this out. Anything that I say in this class, or any subject that we bring up, if I'm, I'm pretty careful that there's scripture for everything that's in here. But if you ever run across anything that you'd like to see the scripture that points that out or bears that out, you let me know. Uh, we'll supply that. I can tell you that not only did Dr. Sherry Dennis go over every word that I wrote with a fine-tooth comb, uh, it's just been looked at several times, including some people from this church, uh, to look it over to make sure that it's biblically sound. Anytime you want to know the scriptures that relate to something, you let me know. If it's not there, I'll get it for you. All right, but God is all-powerful. There's no limit to God's power. He is the almighty God. God has all the power in heaven and earth. And here's the important part I want us to get to. He can do whatever he chooses to do. In the next few lessons, we're going to be talking a whole lot about making choices. We're going to get to Adam and Eve here pretty soon. They made the wrong choice. But the whole, everything is about choices and Two things that I want to say at this juncture before I move on, and that is that uh, God never imposes himself, never imposes himself on anyone. You have to seek God. And he says that he who seeks him will find him. God is waiting for each of us, but he never imposes himself on us biggest question there, answer to the question why in that regard is because love is a choice. Two-way street, but it's a choice. You cannot force anyone to love, period. If you did force someone to do what you or they might call love, would it really be love? Love has to be a choice. So God wants us to know two things about this word choice. Is that, number one, everything that we do in relationship with him, he wants it to be because we've chosen to. We make choices, and we make choices out of love and loving God. And in everything that he does here, I just read the sentence, God can do whatever he chooses to do. We're going to uh, take a little look in the next two or three parts here about uh, some attributes of God are stationary. It's who he is. I'll skip just a little bit and come back to this. Let's look at the next one, which is God is righteous and just. Um, God is righteous and just because he has to be. For him to be unjust or unrighteous would be ungodly. Is that correct? It would be again, we talked about his nature. 
it would be against his nature to be unjust or unrighteous. He's perfectly righteous or perfectly right all of the time. And he's perfectly just in everything that he does with us. So sometimes your question might be, well, why would God do that? Well, one thing I'll invite you to remember is that even though it might not look to you like he was, you know, he let so-and-so pass away or why would he do He's perfectly just. If he wasn't just, he wouldn't be God. So that's something that he has to do. But just about everything else with God is a choice. See, so God doing whatever he chooses to do, what he chooses to do is going to be in conformity to his nature. God's not going to do anything that goes against who he is. He's not going to do anything ungodly. So saying that God can do anything that he chooses to do is certainly he's God. What we also need to know is that he's not ever going to choose to do anything that is out of line with his character and nature. He is who he is. He's a loving God. <clears throat> and there down in, in Righteous and Just, let's pause here for a minute. I'll read this one if I may. God always does what is right, even in judgment. One day every person will stand before him to be judged. Psalm 96, 13 says, he shall judge the world with righteousness. Because God is both right, righteous, and just, catch this, he must punish all sin and evil. He cannot overlook our sins or pretend that he doesn't know about them. He can never do anything that is unrighteous. Psalm 145.17 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. And that just pretty well sums up in one sentence everything that I said in about three paragraphs. But, but, but there you are in a nutshell that the Lord is righteous in all of his ways and he is holy in all of his works. <clears throat> Let's move on down to God is faithful. This is really important for us. Uh, and that is that uh, God always keeps his word. <laughs> There's a real good reason why he does that. We'll talk about it in a second. Uh, it says, do you ever make promises? Do you always keep them? I'm afraid we have to admit that we do not always keep our promises. And sometimes we simply forget. And sometimes we make promises that we cannot keep. But God never forgets. He is never incapable of keeping his promises. He always keeps them. Hebrews 10.23 says he is faithful. He is faithful. And I think that that's a little bit of a misprint here. That should be he is faithful who has promised. Because God is faithful, we can put our trust in him. <clears throat> we know that he will keep his word they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, Psalm 9.10. I skimmed over a, a word there that I want us uh, to, to grab hold of here. Under the why is God faithful? Why is God faithful? Because he wants us to know that he is trustworthy. We can trust him. He always keeps his promises. 
he is who he says he is. He will never not be who he says he is. He is completely trustworthy. He, his whole being in regard to us is to show us that we can trust him. We get to the central part of being a Christian and we come to two words. Faith, without Romans, or, or Hebrews 11 says, without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who would come to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So faith and trust. But they are not synonyms of one another. There's a difference between faith and trust. For one thing, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, says, by, by, so by grace, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that, the faith, is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. So there what we have when we see is with faith, it's that faith is God-given. Trust is a different matter. Trust is something that comes from our own heart and our own mind. And we decide and we choose who we're going to trust. Trust is a matter of our own will. So faith and, just, and trust are different in that respect. In that, that we trust God because we choose to. Because we know we can. Because he's proven himself faithful. That's there. God is faithful. That's that's so important. And you know, and this we're going through the attributes of God here in a couple of lessons. Moody Bible Institute has a whole course. It's a whole one year in school course <clears throat> on the attributes of God. It, you can, it goes deep. There's a whole lot of stuff here when we look at the attributes of God. And there's an example right there uh, where I've got God is righteous and just. I've got one little paragraph. And God is faithful, another little paragraph. Uh, we're simply hitting the surface here, guys. But enough for us to be able to know that God is just and righteous and faithful. And I want to really take a look at this next one. God is merciful. This is really an important thing for us to get a hold of. God is not only righteous and just, he is also merciful. He is kind and gracious to all people. Exodus 34, 67 says, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and trespasses and sin. H. Strong, compiler of Strong's Complete Concordance and author of Systematic Theology, said, Mercy is that eternal principle of God's nature. Remember we talked here in the first lesson about God's nature. Mercy is that eternal principle of God's nature which leads him to seek the temporal good and eternal salvation of those who have opposed themselves to his will even at the cost of infinite self-sacrifice. Goodness is the eternal principle of God's nature which leads him to communicate of his own life and blessedness to those who are like him in moral character. I'm not going to go into trying to explain a lot of this next sentence. It's, 
at first to me it was complicated and um, and I'll explain a little bit of it to try to make it clear. But in his next sentence, he says, Goodness, therefore, is nearly identical with the love of complacency, mercy with the love of benevolence. Just pause a little bit to say, and looking up the word complacency or complacent, uh, it, uh, the best biblical godly thing that I can find there is that God is satisfied with who he is. He, he doesn't. <laughs> we'll talk about this at the end of the lesson. He's not looking to change himself. He is, he is who he is. So I'm pretty sure that that's why Strong chose this terminology. But you understand that Strong been dead now close to 100 years. So we don't really use the same kind of words anymore that he did. Um, but he says that God's goodness, therefore, is nearly identical with just basically who God is. That's who God is. Uh, he's, he's just good because, and we're going to look at that in the next paragraph, because that's who he is. That's his moral character. That's, that's his nature. God is merciful because he wants to be and for no other reason. There is nothing in God's nature. There is nothing in the universe that compels God that he must be merciful. He doesn't have to be merciful. He can be perfectly just, and sometimes that just would not show mercy. You understand what I'm saying? And there will come this uh, great white throne judgment where <laughs> what's going to be passed out at that, at that judgment seat is going to be basically anything but mercy. But mercy is something that God is able to show us now, to give us now, and we need to understand that it's from his heart. It's the heart of God always goes out. And so mercy is something God chooses to do, and he doesn't have any other reason for doing it. He has to be just. Because it wouldn't be God if it wasn't just. But he doesn't have to be merciful. God is merciful because he chooses to be. To me and you guys, that should say something really loud and clear. Now, that, that speaks so loudly of love. Now, you, to really be merciful to someone. You know, we often talk, and we'll talk a lot in this course, about the necessity of forgiving others. Sometimes somebody's done something to us that's really wrong and really hurtful. And we come to a place where we realize that we must forgive them. Guys, doing so is an act of mercy. Have mercy on them. And sometimes, you know, we'll forgive someone, this is a sideline, but we'll forgive someone even when they're not asking for or seeking our forgiveness. But you understand that forgiveness really isn't for the other person. Forgiveness is for us. Because it says, when you forgive someone, you find that you've set a prisoner free only to find out that the prisoner was yourself. 
So anyway, I, I want us to see that forgiveness is an act of mercy. And of course, that's what we see on the cross. God is merciful, but it's his choice to me. It comes out of his heart of love. God is good. I won't spend a lot of time there. I think we can all just put a million words on that. Uh, but it's like y'all said a while ago, and, and, and as Chestnut said about uh, August, that, that God's good. I mean, we can just we can just look back on every day and see the goodness of God in our life. All right, let's go to the final page here. Got just about enough time, I think, hopefully, to get get through some of this. And God is love. I want to. I want to kind of go over some words here that I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, Friday morning. Uh, God does this to me every once in a while. <clears throat> I wake up, and I can't go back to sleep. And I try to go back to sleep. And I'm laying there, and all of a sudden I find that I'm laying there thinking. Only I sometimes wonder, and this happened to me Friday night, I really wonder if I was just thinking all of this or if God gave me this. And, and I, I got up and got downstairs to my little laptop computer and I started writing. I've already gone, this is part of it, I read over part of it when we started this lesson, or tonight, today's lesson. And I want to read some, some other stuff that I came to in this Thing that God was, these words that I'm about to read to you are part and parcel of what I believe God wanted me to share with you. I was back to the why thing. That was kind of what was on my mind. Why does God want to be worshipped? He wants to be loved, but not so much for His good, but for ours. Part of His wanting to be loved is because love is a two-way street. Understand that? Give love, you get love. It's reciprocal. And wanting us to love Him. I'm going to go back to saying this thing that I'm saying that God's love points out. Here's what I want you to be able to see. And God wanting us to love Him, to praise Him, to worship Him, He's teaching us to point our love out, not in. He's teaching us to be what we're made in the image of God. He's teaching us to be like Him. God wants us to, to live up to the image of God. So in God wanting us to love Him, to worship Him, again, once again, the love of God is so directed at us that he's really using that. He's using you and me coming to a place where we love God to teach us, to teach us that we want to be loved. And, and, and if I want to be loved, Cindy wants to be loved. Rachel, we, we want to be loved. So what's that to say to me? If I'm supposed to be living in the image of God, I came to another word called emulate. Just for the heck of it, I got into uh, uh, looking at synonyms, and I looked up some synonyms for the word emulate. I'll read some of them for you. To emulate is to imitate, to copy, 
to reproduce. I like this one. To mirror. To echo. To follow or model oneself on someone else. Or to take as a model. Or to take as an example. Or to be like. God wants us to be like him. And in teaching us about this need for love, he's teaching us that, that in the same way that he shows, expresses to us his need for love, I don't like that word, God has no need, but his desire for love, is to show us that he put those same desires in us, we desire to love, but if we're going to emulate God, then our love needs to go out and it needs to go out not selfishly, not looking to get something back. How many people I can really point, especially to real young men, they'll go after a pretty girl, they'll just show her all kinds of affection. Why? Because they're wanting her love. They're trying to earn her love. God's word's teaching us that our love going out for us is not to be self, that's the word, self-motivated. I'm supposed to love you for you, not, not for anything that, that I would gain, not because, and it's like I said earlier, I don't want you to love me, but if my love towards you is to get you to love me, then my motive's all wrong. Y'all understand that? Mm -hmm. God's motive in, in, in loving us is he... <laughs> It's kind of a two-way street again, but he's wanting us to love him, but his wanting us to love him is to teach us. To, it's practice. to teach us. Sir? It's practice. It practice? It's practice. Well, yeah. when we want to do something and do something well, we practice with the ones that are easier, the, the thing that's easier. Well, God's love is it's there. It's given. It's part of life. It's what he wants for us, so it's easy. It's easy to love him because you know he's going to love you back. Amen. Okay. So, so it's ah, practice because okay. if I practice with that, then that's going to allow me to love you and you and you because and, and, I trust him. And even to love somebody that's maybe not easy to love. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. God bless your heart. That's good. Yeah. That's good. By the way, guys, I, I want to invite every one of you to, to speak up. If you're thinking something, uh, more than likely we could all gain from it. Don't, I'll dominate the conversation. It's just kind of part of who my nature is. I'll stand up here and talk till the cows come home. But, but, uh, but you, you've got something you're thinking and you want to share, you want to get it out, do it. We're welcome to do that in here. All right. Uh, let me see if there was something else here that I wanted to bring up. Uh, that was about it, that he wants, he wants us to, to love. He says, uh, I said, this is what I wrote. Getting love cannot be our goal. That's selfish. You can't make somebody love you. Real love, and there's another thing too. Hear the terminology givers and takers? The takers eat well, but the sleep the, the but the givers sleep well. <laughs> we're supposed to be givers and not takers. And that's kind of part and parcel with where we're going with this thing about emulating God is emulating God if God is summed up in one word love then we ought to be really loving people and loving people for their good 
not for hours. Okay, I'll quit with that. Let's come down to the final thing here. God is unchangeable. <laughs> praise God for that. We should certainly praise God for this wonderful truth. The Bible tells us that God has never changed and he never will. In a world where everything around us is unstable and constantly changing, God is always the same in his nature and character. God is always holy, always just, always righteous, always merciful, always faithful, always good, always loving. What God is now, he has always been and always be. God himself said, I am the Lord, I change not. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, let's talk about what's possible here. Uh, question I'll put to you. Is it possible for God to change? I see you shaking your head. No. Why do you think not, huh? Why can't God change? I, I, it's a pretty good question, isn't it? Yeah. Anybody, anybody want to speak up about that? Because he promised he wouldn't. But that's exactly right. He promised that he wouldn't. It is possible for him to if he wants to. If he wouldn't. But he doesn't uh, want to. No. Let, let me argue that point. Okay. okay. I understand where you're coming uh -huh. from. Yes, he's God. He's he can got do the it. Power but remember, we read earlier that anything that God does is going to be in line with his character. He's going to choose to do according to his nature. Mm -hmm. Any change would be either to the better or the worse. And he can't be any better. He can't be any better and he can't be any worse. God is perfect in all his ways. So change with God is impossible. God is not ever going to change. It's the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow, and forever. And that's wonderful news for us. We can depend on that. Let's talk about us for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> God can't change. But we not only can, we should. And we must. Because we'll get into this in a couple of more lessons when we get into talking to, uh, about the fact that we're born into Adam's family. We're born with a principle, the principle of disobedience and rebellion. We're born into that. And we are born with this tendency to say to God, don't tell me what to do. Chris has heard me say that so many times. Chris has been with me for a long time. Right? We, we need to be able, first and foremost, when we come to a point of salvation, by the way, for those guys that y'all don't know, we had, we had three men give their hearts to Jesus last Tuesday night at the jail. Praise God. Here's... And here's the change. We, we talk about repentance as a change. What it really is is a change of heart and a change <coughs> of mind that causes a change in behavior. But what they're really changing is they're coming to a place where you recognize God for not only the fact that he died for the sins, although they might start there and learn more later, but they come to the place where they're wanting now to change their attitude toward God from saying, don't tell me what to do, 
to saying, oh, Lord God, will you lead my life? Show me what to do. That's, that's the big change that we need to make. That's the change we start with. Excuse me. And then ever after, our Christian life never gets exempt from that. I pity the Christian that thinks he's to the point where he no longer needs to change anything. If he is, he's blind to something. Because we're all daily, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, you know, <laughs> lesson, oh, I forget now, lesson 11 or, or 14 or somewhere along in there, we're going to talk about the conscience. God speaks to us in our conscience, and he'll begin to point little things out. And, and truthfully, I would encourage none of us to ever get to a place where we think, I've made it. I, I am the Christian. Boy, have I got it. I've done it. I've made it. It's funny, isn't it? Not going to happen. Why isn't it going to happen? Because we're still human beings. We're fallible. And, uh, and so we've got a long way to go to ever get to where God is. But the good news is, is he's there to help us every step of the way. He's given us everything that he knows to give us. He's worked in our heart. He works in our mind. He works in our life. He shows us every day in every way that we can trust him, that he's always going to be here, that he's all-powerful. Hey, he has enough power to take care of your problems and mine. He knows everything. See, he's a wonderful, wonderful, loving God. And our life ought to be spent trying to emulate God and yet knowing we've got a long way to go. We got a little time. I got through quicker than I thought it would, but I want to pray right now that we can have some time to talk about whatever you like. God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, Lord God, for who you are. Worship you and love you, and, and God, how we, how we love who you are. Lord, we'll step out of this room in a moment and into the sanctuary, and they'll crank up the music. And God, I pray that every heart there is not just singing songs, but God, that they're really worshiping you, praising you, and thanking you, not only for who you are, but for all that you do. And God, I thank you for this class. I thank you for the wonderful opportunity that you give me, blessed opportunity to stand here and represent you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.